Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 114 of the Flying Free Podcast. We have some great questions from some listeners, so let's hear our first question. My husband and I have been married for 15 years. We have a two and a half year old, almost three year old daughter. So we were married for 12 years before we had our first child, our only child. And I had always dreamed of being able to quit my job and be a stay at home mom. And thankfully I've been able to do that. And so for the last, you know, two and a half, almost three years, it's just been me and my baby at home bonding and having that time together. And, you know, it's been so precious to me. And it has taken having a child of my own to really see and realize that I am in an abusive marriage. And I am getting to the place where I do want to get out. But honestly, the part that scares me the most and the part that I dread the most is just knowing that if I do, I will probably have to go back to work. And what will I do with my daughter? Will I have to put her in a daycare center? Um, you know, we won't have this time together that we're used to and not to mention joint custody where I don't get to be with her all the time. I mean, we're hardly ever apart now. And so I think that would kill me more than anything. So I guess my question is, what advice would you have for someone in my situation with a small child who doesn't really want to give up being a stay at home mom, but I know that I need to do something for my health and for the health of my child and our home environment. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for your question. And thank you to um, the rest of you who have been leaving questions at the link that I put on the show notes. Um, I appreciate all of your questions. This particular question I've heard many times before. I think it's especially concerning for younger moms who have little kids. And I, I think it's great that you're recognizing the abuse early on. That means that the education and awareness that is growing in our world around this issue is working. It's effective. It's waking women up sooner than later and giving them the tools that they need to get out, especially in the Christian environment. But when you have younger kids, this can be really nerve wracking because younger children, we sense, you know, they're less able to stand up for themselves with an abusive parent. They're less able to understand the dynamic. They're less able to cope. Now, I think you have a few different options, and I also think it's important to at least look at all of those options as objectively as you can in order to make a decision that you feel like is right for you. And you could make a decision now that you might change your mind about six months from now based on things that happen, you know, so don't ever feel like, oh, if I make a decision, I'm locked in for life. Absolutely not. You can change your mind any time you want to. Sometimes that just helps free us up to be able to make decisions if we just realize, you know what, it's not the end of the world if we end up changing our mind down the road. All right, so one option is that you could just stay in your relationship until your child is old enough to go to school. And then once she's in school, she would have the involvement of other caring adults who would have their eyeballs on her and on your situation I think that this has been really helpful for my own younger kids, you know, and then when she's in school, of course, you can go to work and get a job, right? Now, another option is that you could get a job where you could work at home. 
there are a growing number of companies now that because of COVID, I mean, COVID was a bad deal, right? But there were a few good things that came out of COVID. And one of them is that a lot of companies have realized the value and the savings in having employees work from home. So the job market for work at home people has because grown. And I think this is something that you could possibly explore. You know, then if you worked at home, you could leave your relationship, um, your marriage, and you could still support yourself and also still be with your child. And I see a lot of women actually doing this and making this work. So another option is to think differently about your experience in order to alleviate some of that fear and dread that you talked about. Right now, you have a belief that you have this wonderful bonding time with your daughter and that that's going to go away if you end up getting divorced and having to put her in daycare or whatever. But I think that it is an option to believe that you will still have amazing, wonderful bonding times with her, even if you share custody or if you have to go to work. I think another option to believe is that most parents have to work and most kids do fine in daycare. I think this is a human experience. It doesn't ruin people's lives. And there's nothing wrong with that childhood experience. I think it's optional to believe. Again, all I'm just throwing out ideas. You don't have, nobody has to believe these things, okay? It's op- these are optional. I think a lot of times we think that there is always a right and a wrong answer. And there isn't. There are options to choose from. All right. So it's also optional to believe that whether you stay or leave your relationship, your child is going to have some wonderful life moments. And she's also going to have some painful life moments because that is life on planet Earth. And when we bring children into this world, that's what we're bargaining for. We're bringing them into their own life's journey that is going to be full of great things as well as hard things. One thing I want to offer you for sure is the fact that when you are a healthy and whole person, you will be able to offer the best of who you are to your child in the time that you have with her. You will be able to offer her a beautiful example of a mom who is present, who is strong, who is capable, who does what it takes, who makes hard decisions, who is okay to fail and to make mistakes, and who gets back up and tries again, because that kind of role model is going to have a huge impact on your daughter's psychological and spiritual and physical development. Right now, your feeling is fear and dread. So if I was coaching you in one of my programs, I would ask you what you do when you are full of fear and dread. And I'm not sure how you would answer, but I think a lot of us, when we're feeling fearful, we tend to hide, we don't make decisions, we procrastinate, we beat ourselves up, we panic, we jump to wild conclusions, we believe the worst is inevitable, and we loop around and around in our minds. And when we are doing all of those things, it's really hard for us to be present with our kids when we are riddled with fear about the future. And so you know what the result is? That when we think that we're going to lose all this great bonding with our child, we actually end up not being present with our child anyway. And then we prove what our brain already believes. 
We miss out on some really great bonding because of all that fear that distracts us. Now, this is the kind of situation that I do live coaching on with the women in my programs every single week. So if I were coaching you in my program, I'd bring you on and we'd uncover some of those inner beliefs that you have around divorce, children, motherhood, working, daycare, and all of the rest. And then we'd look at the results that those beliefs bring to your life and whether or not you like those results. And we'd also explore some other options so that you could spend some really amazing time with your child and make the most of these beautiful days with her. Sometimes we get away from our abusers and then we end up beating ourselves up and wasting so much emotion and energy on guilt and fear instead of leaning into love and hope. It's almost like the abuser's voice is still in our heads controlling us. And that negative energy seeps into all of the other areas of our lives. This is exactly what I help women with in Flying Free, which is my program for women of faith in abusive relationships. And how I help divorced women with, um, in the Flying Higher program. And if you are interested, if this is the first time you've ever heard me talk or first time you've ever heard about these programs, you can go check them out, learn more about them, and get on the waiting list um, by going to joinflyingfree.com. Or if you're divorced already, you can go to joinflyinghigher.com and learn more. All right, let's listen to our next question. Hi, Natalie. I'd love you to talk about one parental alienation when a spouse pits the children against you and causes them to hate you, turn on you, and not want anything to do with you. Um, My husband, after his lawyer told him that the children get to choose which spouse they want to live with, actively went on a campaign to get the children to want to live with dad and believe mom was crazy, etc. It was just very hurtful too. I know you'd mainly deal with mental abuse and emotional abuse and spiritual abuse. One way that churches and spouses can abuse women is with sex, either withholding or doing things that a spouse is uncomfortable with. My husband has said that there's no such thing as marital rape, that if I'm a Christian, my body doesn't belong to me, and that I need to be willing to yield and deny myself and die to myself. My church excommunicated me, and the verse they gave me that I should be obeying is to submit to your husband's in everything. Um, I filed for divorce when I decided that it's not okay for a man to treat his wife horribly, sexually assault them or rape them, and make that a continual threat with a contingency that if I were a Christian, it would not be rape, dot, dot, dot. Please touch on this subject. Thank you. Okay, so there are two separate issues here, and we're going to take them one at a time. Now, I don't know how old your kids are, but the information that your husband's attorney gave to him is incorrect. Children do not get to choose which parent to live with. 
Um, now, there are some states that will have a, an age limit on that. Some states will say that if you're 15 or 16, you can maybe have a say. But generally speaking, in most states, the general rule is that it is in the best interest of the children to spend time with both parents post-divorce, unless, of course, there is documented evidence of physical or sexual abuse. So that attorney has offered his client some misinformation. And then your spouse has used that information to believe that he can convince the kids to choose him. Now, this is psychologically harmful to children, for us as moms to do it and for um, dads to do this, all right? So I would encourage you to get them into some counseling where they can process their thoughts and feelings about the divorce and maybe about some of the things her dad is doing with a trained, experienced, and licensed therapist who specializes in children and divorce. And then as far as what you can do, I would simply tell them the truth. You know, look up the law in your state and just inform your children that it is in their best interest to spend time with both parents. And that is what the courts will decide. Their opinion on the matter is irrelevant. Those of us who have children who don't want to spend time with their dad, we have to tell our children the same thing. No, you can't stay with me tonight. It's dad's turn to spend time with you. Now, if he's being mean to you or something, then you can go to your room and you can stay away from him, but you need to go spend some time with him. I'll see you again tomorrow. You can call me if you need anything, but everything is going to be okay. You can do this. I'm so proud of you and I love you. I'll see you in the morning. That's how we can you know, talk to our kids about it. Now, obviously, the partner or the, the ex-spouse is maybe not going to approach it that way. But you get, and, so we, and we can't do anything about that, but you get to decide how you want to show up in this situation. Your husband is being a petulant child, and he's kind of playing by junior high rules, right? But you get to rise above that kind of behavior and be the adult that your kids need you to be. They're going to notice that. They're going to notice the difference. They're going to respect that and eventually gravitate toward that and hopefully eventually adopt that kind of stance in their own lives. Now, as far as your husband's beliefs that rape isn't a thing if you are married and your church's beliefs that women need to submit to their husbands in everything, it's really important for all of you to remember that these are just the stories they tell themselves to make their own universe work for them. It would Even these people would know that it's kind of selfish to say, I should be able to have someone else's body whenever I want to. They sense that. That would be selfish. So they wrap up that selfish message in a spiritual story. And they take a Bible verse and they do a little bit of twisting in order to get the body that they want to cooperate with them. They are unable to meet their needs on their own due to their emotional and spiritual immaturity. So they will blame and shame you into doing it for them. And then they call it your Christian duty. You see how this works? So of course, if, you've got a ch- if you're going to a church that believes these kinds of stories and preaches these kinds of stories, they're going to kick out anyone who doesn't cooperate. This is coercive control, both in the home and in the church community. And that's why you see in churches like this, you see so much abuse in, in all of the homes that are in the, in the couples that are involved in churches like this. Not in every couple, but in a lot of them. I don't believe this is actually Christian or Christianity. This is the antithesis of what Jesus Christ teaches about love and sacrifice and leadership. But you know what? 
they get to have these beliefs. They are adults, and they get to make their own club rules and live by them with whomever else wants to buy into the same stories and live that way. This is a free country. They can do that. Now, it sounds like you decided you didn't buy into those stories anymore, and so you got the boot, right? Welcome to the world of adulthood. (laughs) This is a world where adults get to make their own decisions, and we give other adults freedom to make theirs. This is a world where we don't control other human beings, but instead we empower other human beings to be the best version of themselves possible. This is the world where you get to thrive and grow and learn and make mistakes and change your mind and make more mistakes and take risks and live your amazing life. The life God gave you responsibility for, nobody else. And you also get to let go of the manuals of all of the other people and let them be responsible for the results in their own lives. It's a pretty nice place to be. I'm saying that from the perspective of having lived in the other world most of my life. Instead of feeling nauseated and full of fear most of the time, you get to feel confident and full of love. Getting the boot out of my own church a few years ago? One of the best things that ever happened to me. It sure did hurt at the time. But it was, it was really one of the best things that ever happened to me. I call this world of adulthood Christianity, like the real version. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith and destructive relationships called Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. And new for 2020, I've created a companion workbook for Is It Me, also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of my companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now let's get back to our episode. All right, let's see. Let's listen to one more uh, question. Hi, Natalie. Um, my name is Cheryl from Malaysia, and thank you for creating this platform uh, for for women like us. Um, I have been married for eleven years, and uh, these eleven years, I have been neglected um, emotionally and sexually. My husband wouldn't want to touch me. This despite me pleading and begging, asking, even threatening. Um, He only initiated uh, making love like twice over these 11 years. And in in the last four to five years, it was about four to five times. And that was because I kept asking for it. And whenever he talked to me, he is not a good listener. His attention span is like a minute. You heard me right, it's one minute before your mind goes somewhere else. 
So as a wife, I feel very, very lonely. And I actually asked for divorce finally, like two weeks ago. And now I have been seeing like tremendous change in him. Like he treat my sons better and, but I still can't trust him. I'm not very sure whether this is all for a show or whatnot. He is diagnosed with anorexia intimacy. Should I forgive him? Well, first of all, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry for what you've had to live through for over a decade of your life. I think your husband has made it clear who he is. I think he's shown you over and over again. And the only reason that he appears to be changing is because you have threatened to take away what he believes belongs to him. So he's doing what most abusers do when their victims begin to make their way out of the relationship. There are some great articles on change and how to know if your husband is really changing or not that we will include in the show notes. If you want to read more about this subject, just go to flyingfreenow.com forward slash 114 114 to get those links. Um, Now, if you believe that he's really changing, you're going to see that change as lasting and real. It's going to be a change that comes from the inside of him, okay, not initiated by anybody else, but initiated by him coming from inside of him and then radiating to the outside. That's real change. So it's not just going to be this outside kind of aesthetic change so that everyone will notice, oh my gosh, he's changed. No, it's going to be come from the inside out. You'll be able to sense it. Because change means change, you guys. When a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, the butterfly is not able to go back to being a caterpillar because it has changed. But if you took a caterpillar who was pretending to be a butterfly by pasting wings to its caterpillar body, eventually it's going to reveal that it actually can't fly. It didn't really change after all. So you can decide to stay and see if he's really changed if you want to. Um, I, I did that. I did that a, a lot. <laughs> or you eventually you can do what I eventually did. You can decide that that whether or whether he's changed or not, you're done. Okay, it's totally up to you. But it sounds like if you're looking for a partner who's able to listen to you, who's able to make love to you and connect with you in the in, on the intimate level that you wish to connect with someone else, this is probably not going to be your guy. Now, it's hard for us to accept this because our brains have been running on a software program that says, this is the guy I thought I married. If I can just find him in there, all will be well. I'm sure he isn't what he keeps showing me he is. I'm sure he can change. I'm sure that if I could just say the right things, give it enough time or do the right things, then he will be the man that I dreamed he was when I married him. And what happens is we loop and loop on those beliefs for so many years that they are this well-worn highway in our brain's programming. So it's going to take some effort and practice to grow some different beliefs based on what you've actually experienced in your relationship rather than on your wishful thinking. So to practice, you, you may want to practice some new thoughts like this. My husband doesn't like sex and that's okay. I do, and that's also okay. My husband doesn't like to listen to me, and he doesn't have to like to listen to me. But I want to be with someone who loves to listen to me. 
I'm going to accept my husband as he is, but I want to be with someone who loves me and is invested in a growing relationship. This means that this guy is not going to be a good fit for me. I wish he was, but I will accept that he is who he is and I will not expect him to be someone he isn't. I will also accept that I am who I am and I will not expect myself to be different. And I will pursue a life that is safe for me and full of love for myself and my children. Now, all of the original thoughts are optional. We have to understand that. All of our beliefs are optional and the new thoughts are also optional. You get to decide for you what you want to believe and why. Just be aware that the thing with the things that we believe, the thoughts that we have on a regular basis create feelings inside of our bodies. Those feelings cause us to do certain things. The things we do create our results. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, fly free.